Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. I like this intimate group. I like it, I like it, I like it. I know we have a couple people coming back from the hotel for lunch, but we want to be very respectful of your time. So uh, this is going to be super interactive. So if people shuffle in, we can reassess and kind of readjust, but we want to respect the time uh, of the folks who, who did show up uh, uh, on time. Um, so my name is Lisa Davis, and I, uh, I work for Lidos, and I'm the service delivery manager for a NASA program uh, Aegis out of Huntsville. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Melanie Boyd. I am a recruiting practice lead with Actlant. We're a global leader in um, talent solutions and services across um, the STEM space. I specialize in recruiting for pharmaceutical companies, research and development, lab and clinical, um, and I've been in this space for a little over 11 years. And I'm Ella Ziegler. I'm also with Actalent Services. If you missed it, we're an engineering and sciences services company and talent solutions provider. I've been with the company for seven years, started as a recruiter, moved into sales, um, and now I have my small team. Um, so I focus primarily in the manufacturing, mechanical, and electrical space. Um, I'm from Michigan. I, I live in Michigan. Um, so we're very much automotive, consumer, industrial products. And it's great to be here. Thanks for coming. Awesome. So we're going to be informal. It's a small group. Mm -hmm. I like this. Um, so we've got some slides that we'll go over, but then I really want to just, if there are any real-life questions, I think if any of you guys are in my session before, I want to hear the real-life questions. I want to help. I want to, you know, give real-time information that you guys can take away uh, and, you know, use practically. Um, so we're going to just... So we're going to just kind of go over what kind of constructs a stellar resume, look at kind of some guidelines and that kind of thing, um, interview tips and best practices, and then we'll open up the floor. But um, again, we could kind of interject and stop at any point. I mean, it's a small, intimate group, so uh, we want to be as helpful as we can. Um, and so we just kind of, the, the bit more formal, but we can kind of breeze through that. Um, but we kind of want to just really talk about, you know, what just really constructs a stellar resume and some do's and don'ts. Uh, I mean, I want to say, although I've made a pivot from the staffing um, area, is who I am. I grew up in staffing, so it's in my blood. And um, when people say they really read your resume for five seconds, it's, it's, it's true. It's true. I'm, you know, we're actually looking for buzzwords, we're looking for things that my customers are looking for. Um, you know, and so, you know, the things that we have like kind of on the do list is to, you know, highlight the relevant skills. You know, if you look at my job description, make sure the first couple bullets are going to be directly related to the job description. Um, you know, those kind of things. And then um, I'm going to kind of kick it in. Yeah. Can you see that kind of? Yeah, sure. Um, and I can kind of talk through just experience wise, like Lisa hit the nail on the head when we're in whether it's team debriefs with hiring managers or if we're in meetings with hiring teams and they're going over job criteria. Um, as I talk with candidates, it's there's, there's a couple different, I feel like, identities a candidate can have. It's they feel qualified for a role and then they are, are applying, ideally maybe for the next level up. Or maybe they are looking to do a career transition and they have certain skills and they want to pivot in like a skill set. Um, maybe they were taking a, a leave and they're looking to come back into the workforce. Um, or maybe they just graduated and are looking to have their first, you know, industry job. So there's different, you know, identities that candidates can have. But I think the do's and don'ts are still very, like very um, just direct for, for all those approaches. Um, so when... Lisa had mentioned looking at the relevant skills. I think as the candidate, as you're building and crafting your resume, think about the skills you do have, right? Highest level of education, the technical skills, the leadership skills, and then um, narrating your resume tailored to the job that you are applying to. Um, more often than not, as there are literally thousands of applicants that can come to a job posting, and there are going to be keywords that, whether it's a hiring manager, a talent acquisition team, a recruiter, a salesperson looking at the resume, there has to be some fluidity of like that matches each side. So, um, depending on yeah, whatever 
scenario you find yourself in, just graduated looking for work, coming to pivot and wanting a new role, looking to, for that next level up and um, growing your career and your financial progression. Um, I think it, it's, it's really looking at the technical skills and being able to correlate it to the, the bullet points that are on that job description. Um, and, and then, so that kind of really quite frankly highlights kind of the next two when we talk about showcasing your um, career progression and promotions. Um, I think the other thing is to really be quantitative about your job. Um, you know, increasing sales is super helpful. No one's going to read that, right? You know, you want to use numbers. You want to use tangible things. I increased my sales by 25%. You know, I exceeded my quota by 105%. So I think that those things are really going to matter. Um, I think as we kind of go down, the next couple things are, again, really important. And it seems it seems easy to say like spelling and grammar, but I cannot tell you how many misspelling words I see, grammar, tense. I always encourage you to have someone take a look at your resume. When you read something too long, it becomes oversight. You almost stop seeing it, you know, and so, um, and you know, especially if you're trying to tailor a resume or if you're, you know, really kind of trying to make a pivot and you're just relooking and looking and looking over again, it is very easy to miss what seems like so minor. Um, but those things are, you know, super, super helpful um, with regards to that. Anything to add? Not for that, but one thing that is not highlighted on here is just making sure that the resume is very clean. Your spacing, you want to be consistent from top to bottom in that. And then you, the formatting is just so important. So if you're going to underline professional experience, you're probably going to want to also underline education, skills. Or if you're going to bold the company that you're working at, you want to do that for every company that you had worked with in the past. Um, another thing, too, is um, having the same tense throughout resumes, so there's um, times where, and we have like visuals too of like really quick visuals of like what we feel like is a good resume versus one that needs a little work. Um, but typically we like to veer away from using like I on a resume. Um, just it helps the, the um, screener, right? Whoever's reviewing the resume, just really pinpoint like what it is that you're doing. And then also to tense wise, if it was like um, manages three to five team members, and then the next bullet point is uh, worked on, you know, X project. Uh, having just the the, um, is it the streamlined tense is really helpful because they want to know, okay, are they doing this now? Are they did they do this? How long ago did they do it? Um, so just a little bit more technical, but it does go a long way just with the the format and formality. And so let's kind of run this the same kind of way. So are there any kind of questions on the do's and don'ts? Since we have kind of an intimate group, uh, any questions or any things that you like to know about or things you've experienced. I see some of our younger leaders in the room, so it's always good to have you guys in the room. Um, this is kind of like an easy to digest format. Um, I've seen, and I get this feedback also from like hiring teams and managers. Sometimes if there's a lot of columns um, and different fonts or headers, just so you know, more often than not, who's, a, who's applying a role and uploading it on a computer? A lot of people, right? The formats can change. When they get uploaded into an applicant tracking database, into whatever portal it feeds into, whether it's from LinkedIn, the direct website, um, certain <clears throat> characters can become like symbols too. Um, so I always tend to err on like, simple is better. Um, I, there are some industries though, like for instance, like I've recruited architects, they need portfolios. I think it it's, it's depends on the, the role, but overall a little bit like simpler is best. So I love that. Just having the uniformity of uh, font size, but as you kind of see in this, it's like they have, so good resume is the name, pretend. So they just kind of bolded the name. You have your phone number, your email, and then I highly recommend for those of you who don't or do not have a LinkedIn to get one. It's just another platform to continue to network and build your brand. Um, and you can include the URL there. And then professional experience, education, skills and certifications, all of the headers are pretty uniform. Um, and then you have just you know, bullet, point, bullet points quantifying. Font selection, I mean, Arial, Calibri, Times Roman, I feel like we know a bunch of something that's easy to see on the eyes, especially if it's uploading to a, you know, to an um, applicant tracking system. So um, the next slide, real quick, Lisa, is one where I've seen where it's a lot to read. 
It's paragraph. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I have the, like, I'm visual here, so yeah. I'm like, let's yeah. we have let, some samples here. So um, this example is like, okay, they had that. So the not so good resume is the name, and I'm like, okay, but I was like, wait, I was like, where do they live? Are they located here nowadays? Right? There's remote, hybrid, fully on site. Right? Companies want to want everyone to come back to the work uh, to the brick and mortar buildings. Um, but do you see how it's so different? Like it's paragraphs. It's a little hard to digest, right? So um, I think that's where we were saying just the format. Um, and then you can also see, too, maybe some roles might not be relevant, potentially. I put, like, X retail company, and then they're at a manufacturing company, but I'm like, okay, what is this person looking to do? Like, what are they, what are they, what are they trying to apply for? Um, I don't know if Ellie had anything on that. I couldn't have said it better. I have nothing to stack on top of that. <laughs> again, clean cut, easy yeah. on the eyes is very important. Yeah. I honestly, I think it's... I don't think it's necessary, in my opinion, just with, um, because also, too, sometimes I find objectives being very general. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm um, seeking, how do I see it ruled out? Seeking a role um, that requires um, ability to grow. It's like, it's so broad. And then it's like, okay, but they're applying for uh, an engineering or or programmer role. Unless it's very, and we actually have a couple slides on like cover letters and if they're mm-hmm. necessary. Um, I think unless it's very specific to that job requisition, then I would say so. But a lot of times it's, the ones I see are very general and they don't, they don't even speak to the job description. Yeah. I don't think it's required. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing and I was going to jump ahead to the cover letters the example <laughs> too. I think if it's a relevant objective, and you've taken the time, and it speaks to my job, and it speaks to my company. I can't tell you how many times the objectives, and like you said, it's like my job's in an, an engineering job, and talking about customer service. It's like you didn't pivot your, your. This is the same resume that you use for, and that's fine. But you know, you just want to make sure that that it actually caters. But again, as and for some of the folks that kind of came in a little um, later, as I said. It, it really is five seconds. People do really read resumes for five seconds. It really is. I mean, it and, it and it sounds terrible, and I've sat on the side of the desk for a long, long time, but I want to be transparent. It really is. And so an objective, I'm really not probably reading that objective, unless it says something, or unless, like, again, you tailor it to it, and it's exciting, or you've said something to kind of catch my attention. But for the most part, I'm looking for keywords. I'm looking for skill set. I'm looking for things, the tangible. Let's see if I can go backwards. You know, so I'm looking for the things, you know, where it says, you know, that you were in 35 states, 10 countries. Dang. Okay. What was the person doing there? Right. You know what I mean? Or things, you know, where it's like, you know, you've got, you know, two labs or, you know, in this case, if it was like a sales type of a situation where it was like, again, I grew my sales team by 80%. That's going to catch my attention straight away. And I'm going to go read that sentence. I'm really not. I'm looking for keywords and buzzwords. And unfortunately, because... So many folks do use applicant tracking systems. The system is two. It's calibrated to look for things my customers are looking for, percentages a lot of times, it's buzzwords. So the folks who get through a lot of those forced, as I like to call it, know how to beat the applicant tracking system. And that's by using keywords and bullets. It really is. Perfect. So the like the quick scan of the five seconds, like it's very real also too. Another piece I wanted to highlight is showcasing like progression on the resume. So for instance, in this one, you'll kind of see that this candidate worked at X research company from January 2017 to October 2020, but then they also listed roles that they held. So that shows that they got promoted at the current company. Um, they can take it a step further and even put bullet points under like the senior clinical research role, right? And really expand on what they do. But if I'm in the hiring chair, I'm seeing like, oh, this candidate worked here for three years and they got promoted twice. Okay. Like, you know, that it just shows a bit more. So also highlighting years um, and the months that you work in each role. Um, sometimes we just see like it could have been like 2017 to 2020, but I think as you are able to put the months down, it really showcases how long were you in each position um, and really tells a story of just like the tenure you've held in the role. I mean, I would guess to I mean, I wouldn't overextend, right? Because, you know, listen, I tell folks, what you do, your resume, and what really happened is somewhere in the middle, right? You know what I mean? And so I always tell folks, when I read a resume, I know some of it's going to be fluff, right? I always tell folks, be able to speak to the fluff, right? You can't, your delta can't be too big, right? Because again, every resume, 
did I work with a team of 12? It may have been a team of 10, right? You know what I mean? Just, but your delta can't be too wide, right? And so I think that when you're looking for percentages, you know, let's say if you increase your sales quota by 48%, I mean, you know, you can do the rough average. I'm not going to be able to go back and say, oh God, did, you know, did she increase by 48%, but don't say 48% when it was 15 <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's more so, I mean, I think in that case, it would be okay to guesstimate and you can kind of chime in there. I, um, I have a thought and then I'm pretty sure Ella does have as well. Um, I would sit down and think about what are your key performance indicators in the, you said in the role that you're in, like, yo, what are your main duties? And like, when you are up for your performance review and your present role, what are those like, um, what are those categories? And then are you able to put numbers to it? Um, so if it's, I don't know, if you're an engineer, right, and I feel like optimization is very big, right, so it's like we was able to optimize output of X, you know, product, and then if you're in research, it's like a lot of it, the, you know, if you're a scientist, it could be, hey, like, able to move from, I don't know, like reagents, production, productivity X number, you know what I mean? Trying to really put down um, what the key performance indicators are, and then as best as you can, as Lisa said, um, putting a number to it and being qualitative and quantitative. Yeah, I was just going to add, like, we always tell people you're more than just your resume. So, yes, it's important to get someone's attention right away. But as long as you can effectively speak on what you've done when you're in an interview, you'll be all set. You're getting a bit of a treat here because we're also going to help with like interview prep because um, yeah. you can have a perfect resume and then if you can't speak on it in that room or on that video call or in the panel in front of one-on-one, -on -one, it, it could be all for naught. So got to get a two-for-one in our session yeah, exactly. here, just FYI. If you're early career, like I see all the awesome college students in here, one page. And if you're a seasoned professional, and this is, we may have different, I would say two pages, and that is, I don't care if you've got 30 years of experience, because you don't want to go back 30 years anyway. No one cares about what I did in 1989. Like, no one cares, right? So really, two pages for me is the limit, and that is for a seasoned senior level professional. That is not, but, you know, but for you, you know, ladies and gentlemen, early career, one page. I tend to agree with that. Unless, I think the exception is if you can't fit all your competencies and achievements and skills and education on those pages, like don't hold back because of that because you do want to be able to best represent yourself. Um, but I do totally agree. If you're a student and you're new to the industry and maybe you have an internship, I would try to get it to one page. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the key, like being relevant, right? Because I think if it's more than two, if it's going to be more, every word needs to be impactful. Every accomplishment, like it needs to say something. But having just the, the fluff is what I used to call it. You know what I mean? Is that that, that just isn't helpful. Yep. You know what I mean? Definitely. And then I was going to say in um, if because I, you know, work with candidates who've been in the industry for 20 plus years, if the role kind of rule of thumb is if the skill set was from like 10 plus years, maybe just like a couple bullet points. But then if it's most relevant in the five, like now and then five years ago, having a bit more like longer sections there because it's your most recent experience. Um, so I find that to be yeah. helpful. Definitely, definitely. But definitely early career one page. <clears throat> definitely, definitely early career one page. I'd yeah. be open. To, I mean, we Take can LinkedIn. Me. I mean, we're, I mean, we're actually all on LinkedIn. We we can give uh, our LinkedIn addresses. Uh, so they're more so in the space. Uh, I made a pivot a couple years ago, which we can, I'm happy to talk about a pivot as well. Um, so I've got 20 year plus years of staffing uh, and I made a pivot about four years ago. Um, and so I'm doing something different, but you know, when you make a pivot, you understand what you're really good at and then it just, it's, it's easy, right? So you figure out what you love about your job and where else that can be applicable. And so that's basically what I did. Uh, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely happy to review a resume. Same here. Yeah, Literally definitely. review resumes of people I've never even spoken to. They just email me or they reach out yeah. on LinkedIn and yeah. I'm like, hey, appreciate, yeah. you know, you going for it. Let me, let me give you a like quick feedback. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. For sure. And I'm actually happy to share after in my LinkedIn. Absolutely. <clears throat> so we kind of want to head there. So this kind of goes back to the cover. Should we speak to the cover letter? Yeah. I am curious. Does anyone do cover letters? Raise your hands. Okay, a couple. I'm not surprised. It's pretty hit or miss, what, at least what I see. Um, but what I will say is if you are going to do a cover letter, because I've seen some really great ones and I've seen kind of smugly ones, you really want it to be effective. So what we did here is just really outline like what the template should look like. So 
um, contact information for yourself, but then also the person that you're contacting, you're gonna wanna address them in a very formal sense. This is a professional letter. Yeah, so dear Mr. or Mrs name and then maybe their job title as well. And then the body of the letter should really explain to the person that you're reaching out to why you're interested in this position and maybe what qualifications you have or soft skills you have that um, would consider you for the job. Um, closing again should be very professional and then you're gonna wanna like sign it. But this is something unlike a resume at times that you're gonna wanna be very personalized with for the job that you're applying to. Um, so it's just very important that you stay in tune with that. Do you guys think that you guys got good response from cover letters? I mean, do you feel like and no? Okay. Well, rewrite I feel like is aggressive. Um, <laughs> Change some. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say rewrite, but I do say that the quickest way to get a resume discarded is when you send me an email to Mr. Williams and I'm Lisa Davis, or you send your resume to. SAIC and I work for Lidos, um, you know, because that means you didn't give any thought to it. You just are cut and pasted, right? You know what I mean? And so I think it can vary by industry, right? I think that that's the thing that I loved about recruiting and why I stayed so long. It's an art, not a science. It really is. And I think that some industries, cover letters are required. They want to see them. Other industries are like, what's that? Please don't send that to me. I'm not going to read it, right? You know what I mean? Or again, if you're going to write it, make it super effective. Take the time. Learn something about the company. If you can, learn something about the hiring manager. That's awesome. Looked on link. Again, Google is your friend, right? LinkedIn is your best friend, right? Especially when you're looking for a position. See if you can find this one went to the same school you went to. Mr. Williams, I'm writing for this job. I'm a fellow alumni or I'm a student at X, Y, and Z, right? So it's because it's an art and not a science, you know, everyone can have different perspectives, but I think there's some threads that you can always pull, right? You know, and I think that that's one of them is that if you're gonna do a cover letter, make it good, right? Catch my attention, right? Because the thing is, I'm again, I'm not apt to read it because most cover letters, unfortunately, again, address the wrong person. My favorite is Mr. Davis, and I'm like, Lisa, okay, um, all right, cool. I don't know many men named Lisa, but let's go with it. You know what I mean, kind of thing. And so it just is like, it's those things that just, and then that makes me not question your resume, right? Because you didn't take the time to just take five seconds to, as we were talking about earlier, review it, have your colleague, your parents, you know, your spouse, your friend, take a look at what you've been looking at maybe for a week that just now has become noise in the background for you. You know what I mean? So yes, I would say that, I mean, I think rule of thumb, I think early career also might be helpful because I think early career, if your resume is, um, we call it light, right? Um, you know, your cover letter could be a place where you could talk about some experience that really isn't maybe, you know, bulleted out, you know, that maybe some internships that you've done that you really can't speak to or just other skills, maybe some volunteer opportunities that you've had. So that's another way to communicate your skills early career for folks um, that maybe could beef up the resume or so some data that may not be in the resume. Another piece too is depending on who you're sending your cover letter to, flattery is always appreciated, always. right? Mm -hmm. So if there was, yeah, if, um, Let's say you are looking to email a um, senior manager of hardware engineering. I would look at the company, right, where they're at, and then I'd be like, um, hey, Mr. Manager, um, I noticed you excelled in ABC, and this is from, you know, maybe on LinkedIn that you see, or you see them on the company website and what they own. Um, going back to this piece, right, um, so salutation, then, you know, reaching out, because then that's like, wow, this person knows who I am. Like, this is writing to me. And then highlighting, um, you know, what resonates with me most about company ABC is your mission of this. Currently, I'm involved with ABC in my work, or I'm involved with ABC in my school, or my internship, um, you know, and I'm excited to potentially be a candidate considered for this opportunity. So it's showing, it's like, flatter them, show that you're understanding what you're asking for, and then you're highlighting your skills, and then they'll look at your resume. Yeah, and I was thinking about this because your question about the objective, I think it kind of ties in. If you're not going to do a cover letter, like I have nothing against the objective, especially if you're applying for a very specific job again, then you can highlight what you've done very quickly in the past, but then also share that like you're very interested in said industry and this type of role because X, Y, Z. So I definitely is still applicable and I definitely still see it. Yeah. I would say use that objective space, what, three, five lines, and add more 
<laughs> of yeah. like bullet points your resume or showcase any awards or certifications yeah. or leadership projects you're involved in. Or you can even make it a summary, right? I mean, so it doesn't have to be an objective per se, right? So it can be a summary. I think that we also, I think again, like objective is, I want to be an engineer and grow up. That's great. Okay. That, you know, but, you know, a summary could also then speak to a piece of the cover letter, right? So it doesn't always have to be, the objective is flexible, right? It can just be a space where it can also be a quick summary of information as well, right? So I don't get, I, I don't think it's a right or wrong. I think probably if you could take away one thing, make it relevant. Whatever is on there, make it relevant, right? So let's even say you had an objective and a cover letter, you know, or a summary cover letter. Just make it relevant. I think that's the thing. I think it's always so general, and that's where I think we run into some challenges with getting things noticed and that kind of thing, with it just not being relevant enough. And especially relevant to the job that you're applying to, right? So not just relevant, but again, as you said, I thought of the Mr. Engineer just won something, or I won, you know, that SAIC just won an, an engineering award. You, you took the time, you know the job you're applying for, and you took probably 10 minutes on Google. <laughs> that may make an impact above the 45 other resumes that came in today. This person took the second and, again, link, LinkedIn, five seconds. Go through it, done. You know what I mean? And that, those are small things that make you stand out when you're in a pool of what sometimes, and it's true, hundreds of resumes sometimes. But I mean, again, we're definitely happy to answer questions. I so said, when we'll give our LinkedIn, uh, I mean, I know this is a lot of information to retain. I think that for us, we want to be very practical, right? You know what I mean? So like if you're trying to write a resume or trying to get an internship next year, we want it to be very relevant. We don't, because again, art, not science, right? So you want to bend it a little bit so it feels good, right? You know, because I think as we've looked to, and maybe this is a good pivot, well, no, I guess it's actually one more slide, but I'll jump ahead like to interviewing, right? Kind of as they said, right? You want to, it, it's all one it's all one road, right? And it's almost like checking box off to get to the end, right? You know what I mean? And all, every one of these things, you know, kind of matter, you know, from that perspective. Yeah, so the other one was the template. This one is more of, um, I guess, like the soft skills for it. But what I really like about this one is the part where it says business-like tone yet enthusiastic. You want to really speak to the person that you're writing to. So just really important to display like, okay, why are you excited about this role? Not just, hey, I'm very interested in this mechanical designer position. It's like, hey, why? And why are you interested in this specific company? And then what are some things that you think you bring to the table that are, again, relevant and recent to what they're looking for? But yeah, I mean, again, just tone, really important for this one. Yeah. And also, it just kind of goes back to also what was also said in terms of, you know, highlight two or three eye-catching traits or characteristics. Again, make yourself relevant. Um, and then again, the display of the confidence, right? Because there's no better time to be confident than right now, right? This is what I bring to the table. I know that you're looking for this, and I bring these three things to the table, and this is how I can bring success to the bottom line. Regardless of the company, the bottom line is the only thing that matters. You can call it fluff. They want to know what they're going to get as a return on their investment. And as not warm and fluffy as that is, it, it's just true. <laughs> it's just it's, what can you bring to the table and how quickly can you bring it to the table? So I think about um, your job search like roadmap. There's different elements, right? It's like, it's, it's all right, if I'm it's like, I'm unhappy in my role, I want to apply to a new role. It's like, okay, what do I put on my resume? So um, like I said earlier, writing down in any, in any scenario you're in, current state, what are your key performance indicators, reassessing yourself, looking at performance reviews, and then being able to write stuff down, and then your resume, and then apply, right? Not only applying just online through LinkedIn or um, application websites directly through the company, um, but in other, um, you know, panels and seminars I've been in this morning, it's, it's leaning into your network, to your advocates, to your mentors, to anyone um, who you may be connected with that can also help champion you in your job search. Um, so if you know someone that works there, you applying directly on the company website um, versus maybe you getting inter um, referred internally by someone that works there, it might help, right, if you have someone also advocating for you outside of us crossing our fingers that whoever's reviewing all, like, the 100-plus applicants will see your resume. So that's another route, too, is, like, lean into um, lean into your network. So if it's, like, a family party, a whatever it is, like, I ask where people are working now, and then, you know, just get to know it um, and send your resume out. And then the resume is, is, your, is your ticket to the dance. And then now when you get an interview request, it's, like, okay, it's game time, like, I gotta practice interviewing. So 
high level, like these are some tried and true tips that I, I think are really big for interview prep. So you get the interview more often than not, right? Post-pandemic, it might be video off the get-go or it might be in person. Um, but some of these tips is knowing who you're interviewing with, looking at their LinkedIn, knowing who their background is, um, everything on your resume is fair game. So like Lisa said, it's like if you wrote fluff, you got to be able to speak to that. Yeah. Um, but also you don't want to showcase yourself in a manner that you're not confident in presenting. Um, and we'll also get into tips and tricks on like how to actually speak and engage and be very um, active in your responses. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there. I'll let you kind of see some of these bullet yeah. points, but because there's a lot of different things you do in an interview, but um, so typically, I, I'm, I'm smiling at that because I hear the question of like, hey, how, how do you work in a team? And it could be open like that, open-ended, right? And you're like, okay, how do I answer that? Um, typically, and we'll go into it with like kind of a method methodology on how to form your response. Um, you always want to, though, um, use I. In an interview, you always want to say, I was responsible for, I oversaw, I mentored, because um, it's showing your involvement. Um, Versus we, we generally, usually um, just managers and hiring teams, they want to know what you've done because past behavior is a pretty strong indicator of future behavior. Um, so in that case, if it's a teamwork question, I would say, hey, um, I currently work in a team of five people. Um, I'm responsible for leading our team meetings regarding A, B, and C, and then kind of going from there. And it's fair to, you know, speak overall about the whole picture of like, this is what we were required to do for this one specific project. Here were the key players. And then going back to what you said, but like, this is what I was specifically responsible for. Here's how I drove those measures throughout the project. And this is how it all was finished. So you can like say both and do both um, while highlighting your own skills as well. And the only thing I'd add to that is teamwork can be interchanged with collaboration. That feels better, right? So it doesn't, I think, language, I love words, words are my jam, right? And so, so I would also maybe pivot and look at how you were collaborative, right? Because I think the thing is, is that they're correct. They want to know what you did. You can have a team of one or a team of 150. That's awesome. What did you do? But I think if you pivot that teamwork into collaboration, then you can say things like, oh, the testing team environment collaborated with the development team. And I was instrumental in, in, in facilitating that development of those two teams, collaboration and what you did. Right, you know what I mean? And so that's the thing. So don't, I, I, I do. I feel like teamwork is so, I don't love it. So it's my pet peeve. I don't, I, don't, I don't dislike teamwork, but teamwork just feels very old and very like, what does it mean to have teamwork? Like, did you not talk badly about your team or did you like, what does that mean, right? And I feel like the newer variation of that is collaboration, right? And I think it's easier to speak to collaboration than, than, than it can be sometime in terms of teamwork. You know what I mean? So I would definitely encourage you to do that. Um, so I don't know if you, have you heard about the STAR method at all? Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty, pretty much a game changer. It's like, it's literally <laughs> four sentences to paint this picture, um, but you have to be very concise with it, right? Because um, more often than not, you can also lose your interviewer if you're going into too much detail or you're just, and then they're like, wait, what, wait, what was my question? Um, so I think when people hear hey, what, like, conflict resolution questions, it, it gets kind of like, oh my gosh, wait, I don't want to talk bad about anyone, or I don't want to talk about any, it's, it doesn't have to be a big, a big thing. Correct. Like, I think that's what I, when I'm telling candidates and we're going through interview prep, I'm like, conflict doesn't have to mean there was a closed door HR conversation. It could literally mean there was a deadline on Friday, one of your peers didn't sign off or need what they needed to finish. Um, what did you do? So it could, a lot of time it could be like, hey, the scenario was we had a deadline on Friday. Um, that was a situation, right? The task was one of my partners was out and was delayed with their section of what we needed. Um, the task I did is I set up a meeting, um, reminded them of, hey, this is our end goal that we needed. The action I took is I set that meeting, we talked through our goals, and then the result was um, we were able to submit the you know, project maybe one day late, but it was highlighted ABC. So it's like you're kind of painting that picture. And I think it's always in any job you're in, it's seeking to understand 
um, and it, we, we were just in the earlier one about, um, yeah, like conflict with your team. It's, it's peeling back, understanding what the main goal is, and then working toward that. Um, we've said it, respect is earned. Respect is required. required. Liking is optional. <laughs> um, but the only thing that I would actually piggyback on that is too is, and I know it's hard to be in an interview, and I encourage people to role play. Bad analogy, can't think of another one. Interviews like dating. The more you do it, the better you get at it, right? And so think about the objective of the question because they're really not asking about your conflict resolution. They're asking about your strategic thinking. And so every question has another question, right? And so if you can master what they're really asking and speak to that in the STAR method for the win every time, right? Because the thing is, is if I'm asking you, you know, how you going well with others, I don't really care about how you belong with others. I want to know how you handle yourself in a professional environment. Can I put you in front of my customer? Do you know what to say, when to say it, and when not to say it? As I said earlier, sometimes saying nothing is the very best thing that you can do, right? You know what I mean? I think that we get to a place, and I know for some of you, you know, early career, ladies and gentlemen in the room, you don't always have to be the loudest voice in the room. You don't always have to be the best leaders that I know are always the last to speak. You don't have to be the person that always knows everything. It's okay not to know everything, right? And so I think if we can position ourselves in rooms where it's okay to be silent, ingest it, get the temperature in the room, understand what your audience is looking like, then go from there, right? You know what I mean? And so that's what I encourage everyone to do. Think about the real objective of the question because the question is very rarely the question. I'm trying to figure out what you what you do in hardcore situations. How do you act under pressure? How do you act in leadership? Can I trust you in front of customers? Can I trust your communication style in front of our senior VP who's gonna come and need a presentation? That's what I really wanna know. Now, I, but I can't ask you that, right? I can't ask you, do you flip out in front of senior people? <laughs> I may not work there the next day. That may be problematic, right? But what I can ask you is other questions to give me the answer to that question. And so I think if you can, if you can master that, Deal. Yeah, that's really important what you're saying. So when someone's asking you a situational question or a behavioral based question, they're really trying to draw out a very specific competency from you. So like problem solving, like you said, critical thinking, um, that's really what they're looking for. And then it is also important when you are talking about that, that you're not hypothetical, like, hey, in this situation, this is what um, I would do. It's like, hey, this is what I've encountered in the past. Here's how I would, or here's how I did overcome it, and talking through it that way. Because a lot of the times, interviewers are thinking, what you've done in the past, or how you've acted or performed in the past, is usually how you're going to perform in the future. Mm -hmm. So just make sure that you're using real life examples as well. I think that's really important. I think if there's any takeaway there, is to really understand your interviewer and understand the real question, as I like to call it, right? Because I can't ask you the real question. Say you don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean I, that's, that's my quick answer, right? I think, because the thing is this, I know when you're lying to me. And if I'm having one of those kind of days, and this sounds terrible, but we're going to have the real conversation because I see so many early career folks, I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to let you keep lying to me. <laughs> until it just gets awkward. Till I just, till we, till we both know that you don't know what you're saying. Right, you know what I mean? And so no one knows everything. And again, sometimes we ask questions I know you don't know the answer to. Again, I want to see how you act in front of the senior VP, in front of our customer, in front of if you don't know the question. I don't know. You know what? I'm, you know what? I don't really know that. I haven't had experience here, but what I do know is this right here. Yep. Right? You know, or I don't know engineering. System engineering, I know network engineering. This is how they correlate. This is how I can tie it back, right? But please don't go down this road of because they they always know when you're lying. They always do. And it just it just also sets a bad tone for the interview. And things may be going really well, but if I've asked you a question and you don't know, and we go down this rabbit hole of and it just gets awkward and then so yeah, I mean that's my personal opinion. I'm gonna keep it. Yeah. That's my real answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, that's no, my personal um, I've done it before, sorry. And I think it's too asking for clarification too if like if they ask you a question and you're like in an interview you're, you're 
like your body, it's, it's, it's a bodily reaction, right? Someone's asking a question, you're being evaluated on your skill set and how you present yourself. Um, if you don't know what they're asking, you can be like, can you, like, you can ask for clarification, you'd be like, I don't know, but I love what said, but I have been exposed to A, B, and C, if that's what you're, if that's the most transferable skill set that I have. And it's okay to be vulnerable because I'd rather have someone be real with me yeah, versus 100%. them saying they're they're exposed and or have experience with something and then come to come to have it. You get hired, you don't know it, you're not going to do well, and you're either going to get terminated or like or something. You know what I mean? So it's like it's you can't start on a false foot. Um, I. I took a couple coding classes in college, and I know there's like C++, like JavaScript, like HTML, like it's a whole other thing. Um, if, it, if, it's a, it's, if it's a language that you're not proficient in, I would just try to highlight the ones you are, like just straight up. That's what I would do. Um, I know you can't prepare for it. I know there's certain questions that might be like big picture, um, but that, that's what I would do. Panels are hard. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. It's never easy to be sitting in front of five people. It just is. Again, practice, you know what I mean? I mean, I think I could give a real boxed answer. I mean, I don't necessarily get inter you know, nervous interviews anymore. I've got a billion years of experience, but it took me a long time to, it's, it's, it's never comfortable to be vulnerable in a panel of five people who know more than you do. That will never feel like, oh, let's go rock it out today. Let's go do this, right? Like, that's not a thing, right? I mean, I think the preparation for me would be key. Know more than you think you should know. Be more prepared than you than than you are. If you if you think that you're prepared, go go do more. If you think you know enough, go learn more. Learn as much as you can do. But it will never. You'll never walk into the room and be like, oh, let's go. Like it's just not a thing. I think a piece there too is um, as much as you can. Hopefully, they have information about who you're interviewing with online. Um, so the moment you get that calendar invite or that email from whoever's organizing the interview, look up who you're meeting with online, just so you're familiar with at least what they look like, maybe their educational background, something like that, so you can find a connection point. Um, the bright spot that I like in panel interviews is usually the time goes by quick. Because if five people are there, like someone might not even ask you a question. They might just be listening and trying to, so the time will go by quick, um, just based on how many people are kind of filling up that space. Um, but I would say, really, the, the key behaviors are very similar. You know your resume, role play at home, in the mirror, in the shower, like talk, driving, like whatever it is, because the more confident you get speaking and speaking, yeah. it'll come like second nature. Yeah, the thing that I'll add, which I think is underrated and sometimes not talked about, is just to be yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it is so important. If you go in there um, pretending to be something that you're not, you are not going to be authentic and you're not going to be on your game. So even if you get stuck on a question, like don't be afraid to show a little bit of humility. People will give you grace, especially if you haven't interviewed very much. But I think just bringing your personality to the interview is so important because people do hire off technical skills and obviously that's a fact. Um, but a lot of the times it's like feel, culture, like mm -hmm. can this person get along with the team? What do they bring from like an interpersonal skills? Um, so that's just my advice for you as well. And people hide behind video screen. I, mean, I think yeah. it's a little easy. I, mean, I think being on video, just like you guys have your screen time, it's easy to be really cool on screen. It is. When you're face to face, because you can read body language, and it's easier to connect with other people, right? So I'm more likely to say something to you online or, you know, and that may not be as comfortable if, if you can reach out and touch me. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think that what you were feeling is, is valid. I mean, again, what you were... You are an anomaly. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> what you felt is real, and it's not super comfortable. But again, the more that you do it, and you know, come interview at Lighthouse. Maybe it'll feel different. Mentally, I would psych yourself up, being like, I got my interview. Like, I have an interview. Like, there is an interest level on the opposite end of that computer screen, whoever reached out or phone call. Um, so be proud of yourself for that. And then, um, yeah, like, like you said, researching the company researching who you're meeting with, um, knowing your resume and what the, the background that you have, um, and then the logistics, like be early. <laughs> if it's a video one, um, honestly, the last few years during 
like the thick of COVID, like there were, I think I've seen any type of interview background from someone's kitchen sink to <laughs> someone's dog running around in the back. So I think now a lot of times they're with a lot of roles being either on-site hybrid or if it is fully remote, just having a pretty plain background. But um, yeah, I would just say just, and also inhaling and exhaling. Like yeah. before it's go time, you already, there's an interest level. You have a skill set that they're interested in. Put like be yourself in that interview um, and be able to, to speak to your um, skill set. I'm a huge self talker. <clears throat> I look and I, and like I visualize things going well. Like I'm my own best friend. Like, I mean, I talk to like, I, I literally talk myself through scenarios. This is what I know they're going to ask. Talk it through visual and visualize yourself winning. Like visualize yourself killing that interview. Like self-talk yourself through it. I've got these skills. Like sh they want to interview me. I'm gonna go ahead and kill it. Like I mean, I, I know myself. That's why you go back to know everything on your resume. That's why like these cover letters, resumes can get stale. You can kind of forget anything on your resume in that first slide is fair game. Anything, your education, that one cert that you said that you took 10 years ago that may or may not have been done, completed, it's all fair game. And the confidence comes from knowing that you know, right? So the confidence is, I know this resume better than anybody else in this room. Let's go. So it's that, you know, it's also that, that you know, that kind of mentality of, oh, I got this. Like, because I, I, cause I know it. I think we get nervous because we don't always know it <laughs> you know what I mean and I, you know, I, I think as I said earlier everyone has a delta as I always tell people the challenge is don't let your delta get above what you know that's the big thing but other than that I mean think about what you know really well right like any hobby that you have or something that you know really well you can spill on down about it if I ask you about something you know you're like oh no okay let's go I'm ready you got to get that way with your resume and with your skill set and what you bring to the table and once you can do that it's just as seamless as talking about whatever your great hobby is or whatever you like to do or travel, whatever your thing is. I mean, listen, we're, all, we're, we're always in our own way. We are our own worst critic. We're our own worst enemy. We get our own way. People think we're awesome, and we're still trying to figure out if we think we're awesome or not. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a big tip there. And I think, too, it's, it's, it's perseverance and that performance agility where I've talked with candidates. They've like, hey, I sent out 25 applications and I've got 20, like 25 rejections. But you just you just keep going. And then so that's why when you do get that interview, it's like pull it, pull it leave it all out on the court um, and, and put your best foot forward. I love that question. And honestly, I think that that's like the 15 percent of the interview or even more where they're like, I can work with this person. So it's, um, it can almost be like in the intro. <clears throat> hey, good morning, good afternoon. Like, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Like, I'm just like, how, how are you? It could be like an open question. And then they're like, oh, it's, and then you can talk sometimes. A lot of people talk about weather for some reason. I don't know why it is, but they talk about the weather or they talk about where they're located. And then, um, and then you'd be like, oh yeah, I've been, you just like say something. And then all of a sudden I know that this person went to this college, that they're from this town, that they're, and then it just kind of opens up into that like kind of natural conversation because it would be more often than not the first question in an interview is hey tell me about yourself and that's where I'm like um, I went to this is like I went to UC San Diego um, born and raised in San Francisco uh, I'm first generation American I popped that in you know what I mean I'm a daughter of immigrants you know what I mean and just leverage that yeah, again, I think it's just being authentic. Like when I'm interviewing candidates and they go there, I love it. Because again, it's not just about what you've done and what accomplishments you've had, but they're being very genuine and authentic about who they are. And as someone interviewing them, I love to see that this person, again, can be humble, share a little bit about their background and is very, I don't know, like an effective communicator to share those experiences. So I would definitely not shy away from that, especially if you feel like you have a good story to tell there. Again, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the candidates that I work with through those stories. I also think it's important to read the room, right? Because I, I go back to recruiting and hiring being an art, not a science, right? And I think that while, so for example, she loves that engagement, right? I've sat in on interviews where that's just not manager's jams. You know what I mean? I mean, it just isn't. You know what I mean? And so I think it's really important to, to read 
read your interviewer, right? And if it's in person, it's a whole lot easier to do it in person because you can really, you can actually really, you know, kind of gauge what's going on. But I think not everyone feels that way. I mean, I mean, I mean I've had some interviews that have been just so awkward. I'm like, well, I don't want to work here now. Good Lord. Like, you know what I mean? And so it just, because every person is just very different. So I think that personable thing works to a certain extent, but I would only go as personable as the space allows. You know what I mean? So I would try to match, I would match that energy as the kids. You know what I mean? Because I mean, I think the thing is, if you go too far, then I'm like, why is this person asking about my kid or the picture behind me? You know what I mean? So I mean, you know, it's about gauging, it's about gauging and fitting into the space that you're in and matching what that person's giving you. And don't forget, you're interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. There are people that, that after they get through the interview process, they're like, I realize like I may not want to work with this organization. Mm-hmm. So it's good to ask those questions to really get a, a space of like, yes, the environment you'd be in, the, the management styles, the leadership styles you'll work with, and then also um, what the mission and goals are of the organization. So, But that's why I think that you're on to something about trying to understand because I've had people, I don't want to work with that leader. Like, I mean, that leader is not you know, their leadership style doesn't speak to how I want to be led. And I think that's okay too, right? So I think that is, it's, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. This is not a one-way street. This is what I bring to the table, but what can you also give to me aside from, uh, salary's all fine and dandy, that's great, but you can find salary anywhere, right? Like, what am I getting educationally, growth opportunities? What do my lateral and upward moves look like? You know, so those are all things. I think that we also just sometimes get so wrapped up into, let me go sell myself. But it's that interviewer's job to sell themselves and their company as well. So both of there's there's a there's a very mutual relationship happening here. It's not a one way street. That those days are gone. Like though that like market where please hire me, like that's not a thing anymore. Like I mean companies have to sell themselves and I know like for my leaders, I'm like, the interview was terrible. Like I don't want to work here. Like what in the world are you guys doing? So I mean, you know, I mean and so I think it's we're trying to get our leaders and our managers to you know to understand that too is that those days of they should come want to work here is not a thing anymore you know and it's really is important to sell it both ways i think it's important to understand market conditions and like what so like if you're what's your what's your major uh, okay so if you're applying for mechanical engineering jobs maybe like looking at what the median is in the area. There's lots of tools online that you can do that. Um, Indeed has a lot of information. I don't know how accurate it is all the time, Um, but just look at that first to see if you're in the ballpark. And here's the thing, like people will tell you if they feel like you're um, in the wrong space or if you're like, you know, if you're far off, Um, especially like at us with Actolent, like if we see a lot of positions that, you know, are taking entry level grads at say 70K and someone comes in, they're like, I want a 90K mechanical engineer job. Like we'll be real with you. Um, But yeah, I think just doing a little bit of research on the front end, but be honest too about what you're looking for. I wouldn't shy away from it in an interview. I mean, I think it's certain, and we only have two minutes. I want to say this really quickly, and we can hang around for questions. I don't want to be thrown off the stage like last time. Um, but um, at certain positions in your career, you can ask what their range is, right? I mean, I come from, I, I think it's, this is where I think there's probably a hundred different opinions about this. I think that you got to do what feels most comfortable, because it has to be authentic to you, too. Like, like, you can't say what you heard, and then it sounds like clumsy and awkward. But, you know, I mean, I typically encourage folks, uh, you know, maybe later in career, what's, what is your range? Throw the question back. That's not inappropriate necessarily, right? You know what I mean? But but again, it's about gauging the room, getting you know, understanding your audience, because that can sometimes. So it's that can be very tricky, but you got to take it head on, right? Because if not, we all leave money on the table, and I will tell you that we all leave money on the table if you don't. Absolutely, there's always more money. Unacceptable, mm-hmm. disrespectful. Yeah. You should contact yeah. whoever organized yeah. the interview yeah. ASAP and let them know you've been waiting for 15 minutes and no one showed up to the Zoom. Yeah. Like, let them yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to wrap up formally and then we can, because we are absolutely out of time. Um, so thank you guys so much uh, for coming and I'm going to come answer. Please come up and, and ask those last two questions up here and we're more than happy to. Thank you so much thank for your you time. So Wonderful much. questions. Appreciate, appreciate you. Oh, and um, LinkedIn, my name is Lisa Davis. I'm on LinkedIn. I work for Lidos. Easy to find. Um, oh. oh, yes. Oh. Um, Melanie Boyd, uh, B-O-Y-D, and then company A-C-T-A-L-E-N-T. Ella Ziegler, Z-I-E-G-L-E-R. Uh, there it is. There it is.
G-L-E-R.